I remember uh, the very first kind of full-on family vacation we took. Uh, we decided that all six of us were going to jump on a plane and go to Arizona to visit my in-laws. Uh, they are snowbirds. They live there uh, during the winter months, and uh, we've never done this as a family, like take a big, you know, expensive kind of a vacation like that. And so in January of 2017, uh, we go and spend a, a you know a week or so there, and uh, when we get there, uh, Lynette's parents, Juanita and Lyle, uh, they are just wonderful. They have been my in-laws for almost 30 years, and I love them like they were my own parents. Uh, they are my parents, and uh, we we get there, and they stay in one of these you know retirement kind of communities that has the pool and has all the games for the people to you know who are retired and they go and they hang out. It's like it's like going to summer camp for old people or something, you know. And uh, it was, we were really excited, and uh, we're there, and uh, something stood out to to me and Lynette kind of right away. Uh, Lynette's mom uh, was sort of. I don't know, extra ornery. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say it, uh, but you could tell something wasn't quite right. She was very irritable. Uh, she was easily uh, frazzled and kind of upset. And we're going like, something's not right here. And so we're just thinking maybe it's just us, it's the kids. We're sort of loud family. We're, we're big and we're, we're very active. And we love to do a lot of stuff. And, and so we're just, you know, telling the kids, let's stay out of grandma's way, you know, let's, let's just not cause any problems kind of a deal. And it just seemed to not be connecting. Something was not right. And so we come home from this little vacation, very glad that we took it because it wasn't, I don't think a week or two later, uh, that we hear that, uh, Juanita, we thought had a stroke at that time. And, um, it ended up not being a stroke at all. We thought it was, but it ended up being that she was diagnosed with uh, glioblastoma, which is basically a very severe brain cancer. And uh, when you hear something like that, you get this flood of emotions, right? You're, you're struggling with uh, what to even think about it because, you know, I'm a Christian and our family, we're, we're Christians. And, you know, immediately we start to pray and ask God to do something extraordinary here. And you're full of hope. And of course, there's the rush of going to the doctors and, uh, you know, all the trips to the hospital. And, and uh, Lynette, uh, she starts to fly back and forth from Michigan to Arizona so she could be with her mom a lot and uh, spent a lot of time there. And it was very difficult on our family. Uh, it was difficult on our kids to not have their mom around. Of course, me as uh, a very needy husband. Uh, it was just a brutal time. And then the emotions that my wife was having to deal with. And and you're watching this. And, and at first, when you hear these kinds of diagnoses in America, you're, you're hopeful because medicine can fix anything, right? And and as Christians, we're, we're generally hopeful anyways because our hope is in God. And so we're praying for this and, and we're, we're trusting that the doctors can do something. And, and all of these hospital visits, what ends up happening inside of me personally is somewhere along the way, I realized that this isn't going to end well. And you just knew that this wasn't just a thing, that this just wasn't a sickness that you're gonna come out of. And so it was a deep, deep struggle. And it's a deep struggle because you're watching somebody that you love die. You're watching somebody that you that's just a huge part of your life being taken from you. I, I remember uh, as the uh, brain cancer um, kind of, you know, morphed and grew inside of her, uh, you know, she wouldn't be able to finish sentences and she would only be able to say parts of things and to watch somebody and uh, like that, it's just very, very difficult. And, and of course, your, your kids are watching this and what's wrong with grandma and what, why, why is this happening? And, and, and the question is, is where is God in, in this? Uh, and, and you want to trust God. You want to put your hope in God. And so just eight short months later, in August of 2017, 
uh, Lynette's mom passed away, and we we just couldn't believe it. And, and I, I'm wondering how do you survive something like that? I, I know technically Juanita did not survive it, but how do you travel in something like this? How, how do you how do you progress through something like this? How, how do you how, how do you find grace in, in that? How do you find hope in that? What what I really want to know is how do you live faith out in something like that when something is is unwanted when it's uninvited when it just comes into your life out of nowhere and and it's not a short thing but it is going to be with you and you know it's going to be with you until the end how do you walk through that when you know it's going to be uninvited long and deeply deeply challenging that's what we want to get around and that brings us to this character in the scripture named Jeremiah. Jeremiah's story is a story of uninvited challenge. It is a story that is long and deeply, deeply challenging. And I want us to get to know Jeremiah because all of us, listen friends, all of us will at one point be in this kind of a struggle. Every one of us gets here. So let's get to know Jeremiah a little bit. So Jeremiah lived about 600 years before the time of Christ. That gives you just sort of the time frame. And, and I want us to get to know him uh, a little bit today by just starting to look at the first three verses of his book. And these are boring verses. These are the kind of verses that if you're on some sort of reading plan that when you get to them, you just want to skip over because you start reading these names and places and and they seem foreign to you and distant from you. But but I think they are so revealing about where this book goes. And and here's how his book begins. It says this, the, the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathah, in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, uh, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, where the people of Jerusalem went into exile, yada, yada, yada. And you hear that kind of thing and you just want to tune it out and you just want to skip over it and you're going like, where is the story? Let me get to the story part. Where's the good stuff? Let me tell you, this is the beginning of the story. What the writer does here is he tries to anchor Jeremiah in time and space. It's like the opening scene of a Batman movie when they back out the camera and it's over Gotham City and it just shows the expanse of it all. It just shows how big it all is. It's meant to anchor Batman in this big city. Well, that's what these opening words do. It tells us who this guy is. It actually starts with, uh, he is the son of Hil- Hilkiah, right? And you go, well, who's that? Well, it's, it, that's their way of saying, well, the, he's the son of Fred Smith who, who works at Ford and lives in Dearborn. He, all of these details are given so that it, there is a context to who this guy is. And he's the son of a pastor. He's the son uh, of a priest. And, and he's called, if you notice, it says that the word of God came to him. And it wasn't something that he wanted. It wasn't something that he invited. It wasn't something that he pursued. It came to him. God called him and God kept speaking to him and and we're going to learn that the job of a prophet isn't something that you sign up for. It's not like you go online and you take some sort of personality test and say, yeah, I'm a prophet. Uh, No, God calls you to to this and it it becomes unmistakable in in your life and 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 then it goes into this little series of verses that 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 describe uh, all of these kings in which uh was the time of jeremiah and if you look at this it it goes from this king to this king to this king and, and the total is about 40 years four decades now to put that in perspective it's it's saying that uh jeremiah ministered a long time. If you were to put that into an American kind of history, who was president 40 years ago? Uh, uh, 1978, that would have been Jimmy Carter, right? And so this would have been during the reign of Carter, during the reign of of Reagan, and then the Bush one era, and then the Clinton era, and then the uh, then Bush two, and then uh, what would it be Obama, and then now Trump. So this is a long 
long time. And, and what the writer is trying to establish is that this is a real person with a real sense of burden and a real calling that lasted a long, long time, that his work went on and on. And here's the key, a little bit of a spoiler alert. We're gonna talk about this during this old school series, and we're gonna dive deep into this, but we, we learn in verse three that the people of Israel went into exile, uh, that they were taken over. And the backstory, we're going to talk about this, is that the Babylonians swept in from the north, the empire of Babylon, that swept in from the north under the king named Nebuchadnezzar and, and utterly flattened, utterly destroyed, burned out the city of Jerusalem. And, and the, the king Nebuchadnezzar had this political theory, this political um, philosophy that said any of the survivors, uh, we won't leave them in their home territory just in case they rise up again. What what Babylonians did, the Babylonians, they, they took all the survivors into exile. They literally took them from one part of their empire and put them in another part of the empire so that they could never rise up again. It was a way of keeping people down. And we learn that Jeremiah was given this call from God to to preach, to, to call people to repentance, to call people to turn their hearts toward God. But we're gonna learn that the people would never listen. And Jeremiah knew that the ending was not good. And it's like watching somebody who is sick and they're on a downward slope and you know that this is not going to end well. Well, this is Jeremiah's call, that Jeremiah is, is trying to be faithful when he knows his call is impossible, that, that, that the people will never turn, that this will not end well. This isn't just a, a, a temporary challenge, but this is a life challenge. And, and you know, there is a difference, right? A lot of us will run into little challenges in life that will seem overwhelming at the time, but when you back out 40 years, when you back out 60 years, they're not really much of a challenge. So it's like, you know, you're dating some girl for two months and eventually she drops you like a bump on the log. Or it's like when you're in college and you are told that some classes aren't gonna be offered and uh, it seems devastating because now your graduation is gonna be pushed back six months. Uh, it seems like it's brutal at the time, but in the big picture of life, it's just a speed bump. And there is a difference between a speed bump and a real life struggle, one that will be with you for life. Because real life struggles are, are like when, when somebody you know, hands you your child for the first time and, and they use these two words, developmental difficulties. And, and they say that, that your child's just gonna struggle all of their life. This isn't a speed bump. This is something that's going to be with you forever. Or it's when your wife leaves you and you're left with two kids. This isn't just something you're gonna get over in two weeks. This struggle is gonna be with you forever. Or, or it's like when you're you know, 60 years old and you run into some financial difficulties uh, that that would have been not a problem at all if you were 30 or 40, where you still have a lot of working years left ahead of you. But when you're 60 or 65 and you're looking at some major financial setbacks, you're going, I don't know how I'm ever going to get over this or through this. This is why I want to get to know Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah lived with uninvited difficulties. Uh, he didn't want this for his life. It wasn't something that he signed up for. He, he lived in this long struggle that lasted over four decades and it did not end well. And it was deeply challenging. And a whole bunch of us, matter of fact, I would say that every one of us will not only experience speed bumps in life, but we're gonna have a hard life. For most of us, life is never gonna be easy. There's gonna be uninvited difficulties. There's gonna be this long and arduous struggle. And, and, and the challenge is gonna be deep to achieve what we wanna achieve and to become what we want to become. And I think that there is a lot to learn from this man named Jeremiah. And I would invite you in this journey with me over the next several weeks together as we go into another leg of our series called Old School. Well, how we doing? Come on, you ready? It's true though, right? That there is a difference between a difficult moment 
a difficult series of moments and a difficult life. There's just a difference, isn't there? There's coming to every one of us. I just believe this to be true, that there is coming to every single one of us a set of circumstances that are going to change, where, where life is going to shift. If you haven't had this already, it's coming. But life is going to shift, and it could be a financial change, it could be a health change, it could be a relational change, but from that moment on, circumstances in your life are going to be different. And you'll learn to cope with it, and you'll learn to move through it, but it presents a difficult, difficult life ahead of you. And this comes to every single one of us. And this character in the Bible named Jeremiah Uh, the great prophet from God is going to experience this kind of life circumstance changing type of a thing. And it is a privilege and it is an honor to step into his life a little bit and to uh, learn everything that we can from him about how God meets him during this uninvited, long and deeply challenging section of his life. And I think that we're gonna learn not only how God meets him, but how God will meet us when we find ourselves in this kind of a space, in this kind of a season, this kind of a life. And so my hope is, is that you'll be open to this and that you'll be ready to hear from God. Are you ready? You ready? So here's what I'd like to do to get us started. I would just like to lead us into prayer. And I don't know who you are. I don't know where you come from, both of our campuses. Uh, I don't know if you're ready for this, but I'm hoping that you will ask God to make you ready to hear from him, to have a position in your heart where you're quiet enough before him to hear his word to you. So let me just lead us there, okay? Uh, Father in heaven, over the next few moments, I pray, God, that your spirit would literally come and visit with us, that you would be among us, God, and that our hearts would be open to you, We have said this a thousand times. We have prayed this a thousand times. Speak, oh God. For your child is listening. Amen? Amen. Well, I am super excited uh, about where we're going to go as a church over the next several weeks together. Uh, We are in our old school series. How many veterans of old school out here? How many veterans? Uh, You'll know that we started this series uh, over a decade ago. I think it was like 12 years ago. And uh, our original hope was that we would just kind of travel into the Old Testament part of the Bible and maybe spend, I don't know, 10 or 15 weeks. But uh, we found out along the way that we were learning together and we were growing together. And so we just said, slow it down. Let's take this bit by bit and let's just take as long as we need to get through the Old Testament part of the Bible. And it has become sort of a journey that we go back to each and every year. And the reason we want to do this is because we want to know who God is. And so a long time ago, we started at the book of Genesis and have just been kind of looking at the character and nature of God, finding out who he is and what he's up to. What, what is his ongoing story really all about? And how do we fit into this story? And so my hope is, is that we'll begin to unpack this together a little bit because the truth is, if you've ever read the Bible, uh, you will know that there are parts of it that you just get lost in. And you open it up with the best of intentions and you go, whoo, I am confused. All of the names and all of the battles and all of the land switching and all of the movement and all of the, you know, then you had the crazy stuff about the miracles and all of that kind of stuff. You just look at parts of the Bible and you just go, I need help, Right? Anybody with me on this? You look at, you want to know, but you just feel like like you need a little help. Now, I'm going to say something. I freely admit that I am not uh, the best Bible teacher around. I'm really not. Um, But I can tell you this, uh, that I love this stuff. And, and I'm going to study really, really hard, and I need something from you. I need you to listen 
really, really hard. Y'all with me on this? I need you to listen. I need you to, to travel with me because at times we are going to jump into maps and uh, timelines and nation building and we're going we're to figure out where this is in time and space and, and uh, we're going to talk about territories and judgments and all of this kind of thing. And, and I know that some of you automatically, you, your, your eyes are going to roll back in, into your head and you're going to space out and it's going to get all scholastic on you and you're going to think this is boring. Now is the time I'm going to take three weeks off from church. Friends, let me tell you something. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you it will not be boring. It will not, your, your, your mind, your heart will leap when you understand God's word. God will speak to you. If you have an open heart to travel with me uh, through this territory together. Y'all with me so far? Uh, and and uh, we're going to begin, we're going to jump into this because uh, right from the very first chapter, we just want to travel through the first chapter of Jeremiah together because it sets up the entire storyline of the book of Jeremiah. And like we talked about in the opening video, that uh, when you first start to read the book of Jeremiah, you're already tuned out because it talks about these kings that you've never heard of and these places that you've never heard of and these people that you've never heard of and you just want to dial it in. But, but again, God was setting up a story for us. He's setting up a storyline for us. And he's planning it firmly in history. He's planning it firmly in space. He's, he's planning it firmly in the storyline of humanity. That's what he's doing with this. And, and, and this story begins to take shape right away. As a matter of fact, we learn that Jeremiah has a calling from God. Now, I don't know if you've been around the Christian community for very long, but if you have, uh, you will have heard of this expression before, right? That I feel called by God. Anybody ever heard? I feel called by God to, to do this, or I feel called by God to, I don't know, be a preacher or a pastor or children's worker or something like that, you know? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you just, you've heard this before. Well, what's interesting is I, I will admit that when Christian people start talking about this calling from God, people outside of the church think we get very, very strange. We are weird. Heck, I even think people are weird when I hear Christian people talk about this calling from God. But let me tell you something. It is true that God stirs in the hearts of men and women and that he places this call individually on our hearts and on our minds and on our souls. He calls us to something different. He calls us to, to something more. And, and friends, I understand this a, a little bit. See, with Jeremiah, we're gonna learn that Jeremiah was called to be a prophet from God. And when you hear this, you go, that's just so weird. But, but a prophet becomes not just a voice for God, but he becomes the voice of God. He, he becomes the, the audible voice on earth and, and God uses these, these prophets in very, very unique ways. And we, we're going to learn that Jeremiah became one of these prophets that he was called to this. And I understand a little bit of this because when, when I was uh, just, I don't know, 17 or 18 years old, I remember uh, th this unmistakable leading of God in my own life uh, to, to be a pastor of some kind, to somehow enter ministry, to be a voice for God. Uh, but being a pastor is very different than being the prophet. Uh, the prophet is not just a voice for God. He is the voice of God. He speaks for God and from God. And, and, and prophets carry a weight that nobody else does. And what's interesting is the, the, the people believed that Jeremiah was a prophet, that he was not only for God, but he was from God. Uh, they, they tested him, and oftentimes prophets were, were tested, and people would listen, and, and they would see if, if what they would speak would be true, and what they would say would, would match what they know of the character of God. They would test these prophets, and the people quickly, quickly identified Jeremiah to be a voice from God, to be a prophet from God. Uh, prophets were often given insight to the future. 
uh, that they would see things ahead of the curve and, and they would be given this mantle to speak into the future. And, and it wasn't just that. Prophets were often given these, um, this special kind of authority from God and it would be, their words would be matched by demonstrations of God's powers through what we would call miraculous signs and wonders. And, and the people saw this in Jeremiah and they, and they realized that he was truly a man from God that he was a prophet. Uh, one day, uh, Jeremiah records his calling, and he was probably about 17, maybe 18, maybe 19 years old. And now when he is writing this book, he is working with a scribe. We're going to unpack that next week. But he's working with a hired gun, if you will, to help write his memoirs out. And he is thinking back. He's looking back. He is remembering. And this is what he writes to us about his calling. He says this, the word of the, verse four, chapter one, verse four, the word of the Lord came to me. He didn't go looking for it, it came to him saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And as this begins, the, the call and ministry, and this begins the call and ministry of Jeremiah, he hears God saying, even before you were born, Jeremiah, from the day you came into this world, you knew that there was something different. You knew that there was something special about you. And as a matter of fact, uh, it's very interesting. He chooses this Hebrew word for, for know, that God knew him. And, and it's a very specific word that we don't have in English. It's the idea that when we say, well, I know him, like you could be talking about Brad Pitt. You don't know Brad Pitt, right? You don't know Brad Pitt. You know about him. You think you know him through the movies, but you don't know him, right? But this word that was used by God toward Jeremiah, he says, I knew you. And it's a different sort of a word. It's a, it's a word that means that there is this intimate knowledge, that there is this understanding that I know not just about you, but I know you thoroughly. I know everything about you that makes your heart beat, that you think, that you care about, that, that you desire. I know you. And God calls him in a very personal way. And, and, and when Jeremiah comes to understand that God had great plans for him, it changed everything in Jeremiah's life. He, he thought about his life different from that point forward. And friends, I, I want to tell you something. I want to share something with you. When, when I was reading this and really thinking about all of this, uh, I, I started to think about all of those that I have known through the years and know now that are expecting a child. And I thought about the creation drive little babies back there in Metro Kids. And, uh, and, and, and I think about people that I know now who are expecting a child, maybe that you know, that are expecting a child. And some of these people, uh, you've met them, they are just so excited, right? Uh, they are pumped up and there is just this hopefulness about them. But then there's others that that are scared, uh, that, that are worried, that they don't quite know what to think about this. I, I remember uh, when Lynette, Lynette told me that we were expecting our first baby son. Um, oh my, I was beyond excited. I was uh, elated. Um, we had been hoping for this. We had been desiring this. Uh, this was our, one of our goals in life, right? And, and so for me, I was very excited, but I will be honest with you, at the exact same time, with all of this excitement, I was scared stiff. I was uh, in shock, and I was worried because I was young, and I was dumb, and I wasn't sure what to do, and how to do it, and what to say, and when to say it, and just didn't know how to be this this daddy, right? I just want you to know that if you are expecting a child or if you ever plan to expect a child, that that child you are carrying, she is loved by God. He is precious to, to God. That the baby you carry was formed with the intimate knowledge of God. It is a gift, ultimately, from God. The circumstances surrounding that baby might be crisis mode for you. It might be difficult for you, but 
But the baby that you carry is precious to, to God. Uh, we have a lady uh, who serves part-time on our staff here at Metro. Her name is Angela Griggs. And uh, for as long as I have known her, which is over a decade, uh, almost single-handedly, uh, she has kept a little crisis pregnancy center open in Melvindale, Michigan. I mean, almost single-handedly paying for it, caring for it. And just with unbelievable grace, unbelievable dignity, she meets girl after girl after girl who find themselves in a pregnancy that would not be like the ones that Lynette and I have experienced, where there is excitement and hope, but pregnancies that were shrouded in crisis and, and without judgment. She leans into these young lives and tells them that they are not alone. That, that there is somebody there to help, somebody there to care for, somebody there to, to guide. Uh, she is amazing at this, and she has done it so faithfully. She says, I will help, and my little organization here will help. And even as a church, even as a church, our little church, every once in a while, we will step in to, to help Angela help these others and we will raise some money and we will do some work and we will provide some stuff that, that we want to tell people that the child you are carrying, it is a gift from God. It is precious to God. And so friends, I just want to speak to you just for a moment as plain as I can. If you find yourself in a pregnancy that you would consider a crisis, Reach out for help. You, you might be at a situation or you might know somebody who is in a situation that literally thinks their back is up against the wall and they have no other choice with the life inside of them but to ter terminate that life inside of them. She is precious to God. And she is precious to us. Turn to a crisis pregnancy center. Heck, turn to our church. Friends, I can guarantee you that there are people all across our faith community that would be more than excited to step into your life, to walk with you during a crisis, to help bring life into this world, who will partner with you to do whatever they can because that life inside of you is precious. Anybody hear me? And so that's just a little sidestep about Jeremiah's life, um, but when I read those words, that I knew you before you were even born. I have great plans for you before you were even born. I, I just can't help but think that, that there's not one life that should be wasted, and not your life. Your life right now should not be wasted. God speaks with affection over you. He says he knows you. He speaks with purpose over you. He says he, he knows you. And so Jeremiah hears this, this calling from God. He's called by God to be a voice to the nations, to be set apart. And let me tell you something. This is not good news for a young man. Because when you're a young man, I remember I was once one, right? Uh, when you're a young man, you don't want to be set apart. You don't want to be different. You want to be part of the crowd. You want to be part of the in crowd. You want to be like everybody else. You want to be liked by everybody else. But God says, no, Jeremiah, there is everybody else. And then you and you alone are going to be over here. This is not exciting news to, to Jeremiah. This is uninvited. This is a deep, deep challenge for, for him. And we're going to learn that his worst nightmare comes true. That, that this whole prophet thing does not work out very well for, for Jeremiah. Uh, nobody listens to him. Nobody 
This prophet thing goes downhill for him. Uh, he doesn't ever start a big church. He, he never writes a big famous preacher book that everybody's buying and says, this is your best life now. Jeremiah's like, this is not my best life now. This is not good at all. This is going nowhere very, very quickly. As a matter of fact, this is going down, down, down. And as far as I can tell, he never filled an auditorium. He never went on a speaking tour. Uh, as far as I can tell, listen to this. This is gonna blow your mind. Um, for 40 years, there's not one convert of record in his life. Not one person decides to change their life and follow God because of his ministry. And this leads him uh, to, to some very depressed times in his life, so much so that scholars through all of human history who have read this work have come up with a name for him. They call him the weeping prophet. They call him the depressed prophet. Uh, people get angry with him. They arrest him. They, they beat him uh, and, and they jail him. They mock him. His family abandons him and he gets depressed over this. And I'm thinking, no kidding, right? No kidding. And he tells God that I would rather not have this in my life. You ever have something in your life that you just told God, God, I just don't want this in my life. Would you just do something about it? Take it away. Anybody? Or is it just me? Yeah. Yeah, and immediately Jeremiah reminds his readers that he did not want this job as a prophet and Jeremiah comes up with these excuses. He has these excuses and in verse five, we see his calling, but in verse six, he starts right into the excuses of why God's got the wrong guy for the job. He literally says, alas, O Lord, or sovereign Lord, I said to God, I do not know how to speak and I am too, what is this word? Young. He gives God two objections to why God should not be calling him into kingdom service. Now, I think that's actually pretty good because I've talked to many, many of you and you give like five or six every time I talk to you about it, right? <laughs> Jeremiah gives two, what were they? What were they? He, he says, I can't talk very well and I'm too young. I'm just not, what, ready. He, he says, I'm not a communicator like a great preacher. I'm not the preacher man. And he goes, I'm too Young, I'm not ready for this. Again, he's probably 17 or 18 or 19 years old. And the reason we know this is because uh, Hebrew is very particular in its words, unlike English. We just say, you're young. We can tell a 40-year-old, you're young. You got plenty of life ahead of you. But in Hebrew, that doesn't fly. Hebrew has very strict words that apply. And the word that, that is used by Jeremiah, he says, I'm too young. And it word, this word literally means that I'm in a season of life that I'm not quite established because I haven't even left my parents' house yet. And in Jewish culture, this would probably be about 17 to 19 years old at this time. Not quite a man yet, but not a child either. Not quite uh, an adult, but, but not a boy either. He's, he's sort of in this in-between world. Now, uh, in America, it, you know, this would apply to like 35-year-olds right? I, I, it's crazy, right? I, I just, seriously, I, I read this story just recently, true story, out of New York of a set of parents had to sue their 30, soon to be 31 year old son to get him to move out of the basement. And in this little article, he was quoted as saying, I just need some more time. He's 30. And he says, I love playing video games. I can't do that in work. Do not be that kid, all right? Do not be that kid. But Jeremiah is still a kid. He's still a kid. And God says to this kid, you're gonna be my voice to the nation. And I think rightfully so, Jeremiah says, are you kidding me? I'm just a kid. I'm not ready for this. Can I just point out something here? Um, Jeremiah is speaking um, to God. But he's not talking back to God. There's a difference, right? You know when your kid's talking back to you and you know when your kid's speaking to you. And there is a profound difference. Let me tell you something, friends. Uh, this is what I'm learning. That when you have things in your life that you don't understand about what God is doing in your life or who God is, why don't you just talk to him? Why don't you just communicate to him? I know it sounds weird, 
but talk to him and listen for his voice in your life. It's okay to speak to God if you feel you don't understand what he's doing in your life. And Jeremiah says, I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. Uh, And I don't know, how many of you remember a a season in your life or something in your life that shifted and now you're being thrown into something that you felt you weren't ready for? And has that happened to anybody? Come on, has it happened to anybody? Like you were just cruising along and all of a sudden something changed, something happened and now you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I am not ready for this. Anybody? You, 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 You hear people say, well, I wasn't ready to be a widow or I'm not ready for cancer treatments or I'm not ready. You get like this note from the human resource department that says, hey, you might want to start thinking about a early retirement and you're only 59 and you're like going, I'm not ready to retire at 59. I'm most certainly not ready to enter the job market again and look around. I am not ready for this or I am not ready to be a single mom. I'm not ready to be a single dad. All the time in my office, hundreds of times, I've sat with people who have said, I don't know what God's doing here, but all I know is that I'm not ready for this. This is not the right time. This is impossible. And friends, let me tell you something. This is where the storyline of Jeremiah gets going. Um, that, That he is brought into a set of circumstances that is uninvited. It is long. And it is going to become deeply, deeply challenging to him and he doesn't want any part of it. Uh, We have Jeremiah's calling and then we have Jeremiah's excuses but now we're going to see who this kid really is inside. We're going to see that Jeremiah has a strength. We're going to see Jeremiah's strength. Um, And here's what it says next. Listen to this, verse 7. But the Lord says to me, so he says, God, I'm not ready. I'm too young. And he says, God says back to me, do not say I am too young. Yeah, that whole thing about not being ready, forget it. That whole thing about saying you're too young, I don't want to hear it. You're going to do what I want you to do. This is the thing about God that makes me mad sometimes. Right? Because he is God and I am not. And Jeremiah, here's God saying, knock off with the excuses. I'm done with the excuses. If I call you, I will qualify you. If I lead you, I will lift you. If I move you, I will meet you. Anybody hearing this? Anybody? He says, he says, stop making excuses with your one and only life. And he says, here is what you are going to do. <laughs> this is what he says. You must, no option. Jeremiah, you must go to everyone that I send you to and say whatever I command you. Does anybody feel like this is just a little bit vague, right? A little open-ended. What is this whole prophet thing really all about? Don't worry about it, Jeremiah. Just go wherever I tell you, do whatever I say to do, and say whatever I say to whoever I say to say it to. Um... I don't know if you're like me, but I like a little bit more to go on. I I really do. I like to be more in control than this. And one of the things that we realize is God says, if I call you, I'm going to equip you. If I lead you, I will lift you. If I move you, I will meet with you there. Um, Walk with me, he says, Jeremiah. Be faithful to me. And Jeremiah was much afraid, and that makes a lot of sense, right? His friends end up turning on him. His family turns on him. Uh, he is abandoned by virtually everybody. He is beat. He is eventually arrested. He is put in jail. At one point in his ministry, uh, he, he thinks this isn't going well because he is hung up in a public square by ropes like this and he is dipped in this slimy substance for everybody to see mocking him. And he's thinking, I am not sure that I signed up for any of this. How did I get here? But, but God says something to him that I think he says to all of us. He says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will rescue you. <laughs> this is so big because uh, Jeremiah uh, says, I- I'm afraid. I-, I don't want to do this. But God says, you will not die before it is time for you to die. And nothing will happen to you apart from my will. Period. Do you trust me? It might be. For some of you in this room, more than a hard time 
it might be a hard life. And God says, do you trust me? Jeremiah shows now his strength, his character. Um, and his strength is his obedience. He, he trusts God. Remember that, friends. He trusts God. His, his strength, what holds him close to God, is his willingness to go when he didn't understand. It's his willingness to do when he didn't know exactly what needed to be done. His strength is obeying God. So there's this calling from Jeremiah. He has this set of excuses. And then we, we learn that he has this strength and that moves us to this message that God gets, gives him. And I gotta hurry with this. Um, here's what it says. Here's what it says next. Listen, there's this message that Jeremiah is given. He says, then the Lord reaches out and, with his hand and he touched my mouth and he said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today that I appoint you over the nations and the kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. He says, I'm giving you a huge Huge job, Jeremiah. Uh, I know it's going to be overwhelming. I know it's bigger than you are, but don't be afraid because I am what? With you. And then God asks him this very odd question. He says, so Jeremiah, what do you see? So God, I don't know how this looked. I don't know if it's like a physical hand. I don't know if it was something that just implanted in his mind. So, but, he, but he hears this calling from God and then God backs up and says, so Jeremiah, I put a vision. Do you see something in you? And he goes, oh, I see something. He goes, what do you see? Listen to this, listen to this. I see the branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord says to him, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. He sees an almond tree. Woo! I, you're not as overwhelmed as I was? And I, I mean, I love almonds. I put them in my sugar-free ice cream all, all the time, right? I, almonds. I had no clue what that meant. And so I studied it a little bit. And I learned something that, that this means a whole lot. This little expression means a whole lot. Because an almond tree is the first tree in Israel that blooms every single spring. It's a harbinger of something to come. As a matter of fact, in ancient days at this time, they would look to the almond tree. When the almond tree blooms, they knew that they had to plant within the next couple weeks because spring was coming. And friends, you know what I think God was doing here? I think God was saying, Jeremiah, your voice is a sign that something is coming. Judgment is coming. Because look at this next little section. God speaks again. He says, he says to Jeremiah again, what do you see? What do you see? Gives him another vision. And listen very, very carefully. This is so uh, ahead of the curve. He says this, I see a pot that is boiling and it is tilting toward us from the north. It's tilting toward us. Then the Lord says to him, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all that live in this land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their king will come and set up their thrones. In the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, they will come against all of the surrounding walls and against the towns of Judah. Listen, and here's why. I will pronounce my judgment on the people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning of incense to other gods, and in worshiping what their hands have made. Instead of worshiping God, they have turned their hearts away from God. And we're going to learn that Jeremiah stands at the edge of not just a move of history, but we're going to unpack this and we're going to see that Jeremiah stands at the edge of, of history, that all of history is starting to change, that there is this rising empire in the north called the Babylonians. Anybody ever hear of it? Anybody ever hear of it? And in Jeremiah's day, they thought it was no big deal. They're far away and they're not going to bother us. We're the people of God. We're the promise of God. God's going to love us forever and God's going to care. But Jeremiah comes and says, he does, he does, and he will. But unless you turn from your sin, my hand of protection is going to be gone. And this will happen from the north. There's going to come this empire that rises against you. And it will not end well. And we're going to learn right away that 
Jeremiah knew that the people would never turn. You want to talk about a difficult life. He's like, God, why am I even going to do this? If they're never, ever going to turn, you've showed me that they're not going to turn. And God says, yeah, but I want you to go preach anyways. Why? I don't know. Just want you to do it. Trust me. Trust me. And then he says something. He says, get yourself ready, Jeremiah. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. In other words, I got your back, but if you turn from me, it will not be pleasant for you. Today I have made you a fortified city. He's a boy. He's a boy. He goes, you are a city. You are a fortified stronghold, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand up against the whole land, against the kings of Judah. Judah is the southern kingdom of Israel. We're going to learn this. It's officials and it's priests and the people of the land. And here it is. And here it is. Listen to this. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am, what is it? I am with you and I will rescue you. I don't know what you face. But God says it is always better with him than without him. I don't don't know what you face, but there is a situation, there is a circumstance. Listen to me, look at me. There is something in your life that puts a, a pang of fear inside of you. And fear is crippling. Fear keeps you from what God wants. It keeps you from God's uh, best for you. Fear about tomorrow. Listen, fear about next week. Fear about next month. Fear about next year. Fear about the next decade. It will paralyze you. It will steal the joy that God wants in your life. It'll steal it from you. It will steal peace from you. And God says... Over and over and over and over and over in the scripture, he says, fear not because I am with you. Is that all y'all have? How about on video? You guys getting a little bit better because this isn't happening here. He says, I am with you. Do not be paralyzed. You need to move forward. You need to trust me. You need to obey me. You hear me? You need to obey the word of God. Well, it's hard. Yeah. But there is this overwhelming correlation between peace and God's presence in our life and fear and non-obedience. It is better to choose peace in the presence of God every single time. So my hope is, is that you will uh, walk with me as we get to know uh, Jeremiah through the old school. Is that cool? Let's, let's do this together. Let's, let's go deep together. Let's learn to trust God together. Let me, let me pray for us, okay? Um, Father, um, I pray that your spirit uh, would speak to our community. Um, God, I'm, I'm confident that you want more for us than we can even imagine. And there is so much uh, that keeps us from everything that you want. God, we, we, we're afraid to step out and, and to trust you. But God, I, I pray that your spirit would somehow overwhelm us now and that you would carry us, God, to where we need to be, uh, not just where we would like to be, but where we we need to be. Help us to trust you, God, completely. In Jesus' name, uh, together we say, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope that you will, uh, uh, I hope that you'll invite somebody to church with you. Can we do this together? Can we grow our community together? Reach out. Let's introduce people to the grace and presence and power of God. Amen. See you guys.